Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Uh, We've been looking at a series of messages that I'm winding down, a series entitled Character Sketches. And we looked at some biblical characters throughout the Old Testament and sort of try to pick up some truth, right? Try to, what can we apply out of their lives into our lives? And we looked at some of the highlights and some of the lows of some of those folks. And last week, I started a little mini-series within a series on the Apostle Peter. You know, I don't know what you think of Peter, but you know, when we look at Peter, for certain, when you begin to look at Peter, you see that he has a lot of blunders in his life, doesn't he? He, he has a, a habit of speaking when he should keep silent. He has a habit of acting when he should just stand still. And so when we look at his life, oftentimes I feel like we may give him a bum, bum rap. You know, I feel like sometimes we, we, we sort of you know, Mr. Lee said to me last week when we left, he said, you know, pe- people give Peter a hard time. And we do, don't we? We like to give Peter a hard time. And we look at Paul and we go, man, what a great man of God. We look at Peter and go, well, you know, he sometimes got it right. But I'm going to submit to you today that, that he's really a man of great faith. And, and when, when we talk about his faith, the thing that I'm referring to is his saving faith. I'm talking about the fact that when God redeemed Peter, he belonged to God. Amen? That, that even when Peter blundered, even when Peter is gotten on to by the Apostle Paul for playing the hypocrite, he's still God's man. Think about that for a minute. Because if we believe that salvation being of God is secure, then there's nothing I can do that's going to strip it away from me. Isn't that awesome to think about? That if I believe that, that God redeemed me and saved me when I was 17 in New Jersey, that here in Alabama, if I make a blunder, I'm still his. That's awesome. Peter needs to know that truth. Peter needs to know that he is the Lord's. But you know, there's times in our life when we know we're God's, we know we belong to him, but then there's outside forces that sometimes want to put the pressure on, that sort of want to test us and see if, if we're really the people that we think we are. And when you look at Peter and you look at the text for the day, we sort of think, well, Peter should have listened because Peter blew it bad. But I'll remind you what Warren Wiersbe said that when Peter blew it, when he denied the Lord, when Peter blew it, it was a problem with his nerves, not his faith. Daryl Bach would say it this way. Listen to what he says. He says, Peter's failure will, will be a failure, he says, of courage, not of a heart denial of Jesus. See, many of us being in the position of Peter, standing around the fire, being accused of being one of Jesus' disciples would maybe do the same thing Peter did, hey? Maybe we would be not as bold as we think we are. 
Maybe even when we're in the Walmart line and we got a Jesus shirt on and somebody begins to ask us about Jesus, sometimes we shrink back. You with me? It's easy to stand looking into Peter's life and go, well, Peter should have just stood up. Should have been the man of God that he was, but he didn't. He failed and he failed miserably, but he did not fail in his salvation because it wasn't his to lose. Amen? And so he was saved. So when you put Peter under the microscope of Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 34, that's where we're going to be today. When you put him under the microscope, what you find out is as we look at Peter's life today, I want to submit to you that sometimes we are sifted for our strengthening. Sometimes God allows us to go through the things that we go through in our life and we're sifted in order that at the end of our sifting, we come out stronger. We come out better than we were when we started the sifting. This is a text, I have to be honest with you, it's a text I don't really like all that much because I have to understand that what was taking place in this text is very likely a possibility that happened to me. Listen to the text. Luke 22, 31 through 34. Listen to the words of the Lord. And Jesus said, Simon, Simon. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord... I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus awakens him a little bit and says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you even know me. I want you to think about that. The warning of Jesus, by the way, to Peter is recorded in all four gospels. Two times... Is recorded in Matthew and Mark's gospel. It's found when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he warns Peter. The other two times that is found in the gospels is in the upper room account. Now, we don't often think of Peter denying Jesus in the upper room, but in this particular occasion, if you go back in the context, you find that they're in the upper room and the, the conversation in the immediate context right before these verses are the disciples arguing, fighting, bickering about who is going to be the greatest. Pride had ensued among the ranks. Who is going to be the greatest? And Jesus has to give them a lesson that, you know, it's the, it's the Gentiles, it's the lost people that really lorded over others about position and pride and greatness He says, but not so among you. Whoever is the greatest should be the servant of all. And Jesus said, here I am, and I'm the servant. And Jesus reminds us of a great principle there, that it's not about being great. It's about being a servant. It's about humbling ourselves before the mighty hand of God, that he would even dare, Steve, to use us. How amazing that God would give me the privilege to stand up week to week and preach his unsearchable truth. Uh, How he does that is beyond me. 
but he's just full of grace, and I thank God that he allows me to continue to preach. He hadn't killed me yet anyway. So uh, I'm going to keep preaching until I have breath in my lungs to preach. But as we begin to examine the text, I want you to look at first Jesus' warning. Notice in verse 31, because I think we see some things there. First of all, notice what Jesus said at the beginning of verse 31. He says, Simon, Simon. You know, when Jesus uses those double names, first of all, remember last week I told you, and you may not because you weren't here, but last week I said that when you look at the gospel accounts and you see Peter being called Simon, it is often in reference to the fact that he's about to make a blunder. Or that he has just made a blunder. It's, it is that reference to the fact of maybe that's Peter's old life. You know, he was Peter the fisherman. He was a guy who was brash and, and put his foot in his mouth and was very impulsive. And Jesus would change his name to Petros, the, the rock. And, and that's important. We'll, we're going to get to that, I promise, before the series is over with Peter. But, but here he's calling him Simon, Simon, and, and he's making, I think, a, a very pointed point. One, Simon is that term, listen up, Simon. You have, the, you have the tendency to go back and live the old way. You have this tendency to want to be impulsive. And, and so there is that warning there by Jesus. But, but more so, the double use of Simon's name is because what Jesus is about to tell him is crucial. He is trying to get his attention. He's trying to grip his attention and say, listen up. What I'm telling you is important. And so that's his way of capturing his attention. Listen, Peter. I want to tell you something important. Listen to what he says is important in the text. He says, Simon, Simon, indeed. Truthfully, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Here's the warning, Peter. Simon, here's the warning. Satan's after you. Satan wants to sift you. That word sift means to take something, put it in a sieve. We're we're familiar with colanders in our kitchens. Put something in a sieve. And what they would do is they'd put it in there. And most of the time the sieves were large and they were wired and they were boxed in and they would put the the wheat and everything on top that they harvested and they would get in a shake violently until they would toss up in the air and the chaff, the light useless part would blow out. And then all the other dirt and impurities would fall through and what would be left is the head, the, the grain that's usable, that's able to be eaten. And so he says that Satan wants to shake you up, Peter. Uh, he wants to do something in your life. Peter, be warned. Satan is after you, Peter. But listen, not just Peter. Not just Peter. The you that is there in the text looks like in the English that he's talking to Peter. But he's really talking to Peter, but everybody that's standing there, because the you there is plural in the Greek. He is saying, Peter, Satan wants to shake you up, but not just you. He wants to shake up the rest of these guys as well. He wants to do something in their life. Isn't that interesting? So it's not just to Peter, but Jesus is saying to all the guys, listen up. There is this possibility that Satan's going to do something. And by the way, he did, didn't he? What happened? Jesus gets arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and they disappear. (laughs) They, They get so 
rattled and scared that they're gone. They flee. They get out of there. Oh, Peter had his moment, right? He bucked up and took out the sword. And and even after that, Jesus had to rebuke him and say, hey, you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And they, they arrest Jesus and Peter and John have a little nerve. They sort of linger behind the rest of the guys. We don't even know where they're at. They're just gone. And so Satan has desired. Satan wants to do something. Satan has asked in order that he may sift you, that he may put you through the test. What is he sifting in Peter's life? Well, we're told in verse 32. Notice what Jesus said in verse 32. He says, but I have prayed for you that your faith. What is Satan wanting to sift? He's wanting to to sift the, the faith. He wants to see if Peter, is Peter genuine? Is Peter for real? Is he really going to love Jesus with all of his heart, his soul, his mind? Is he really the follower? Is he that kind of guy? I submit to you, he is. I submit to you that yes, he's going to make a denial of Jesus, but he is never going to deny his faith. As a matter of fact, it's not quick after the rooster crows. Boom, it hits him, right? And he goes out and he does what? He weeps bitterly and he repents. Not so with Judas. There's no repentance there. Judas goes out and hangs himself. There's no repentance in his life. Is he sorry for what he did? Perhaps. Like a little kid getting caught in the cookie jar. But there's no repentance. There's no remorse for what he's done. There's no going to the Father and saying, Father, forgive me, I've sinned. But just pity. He goes out and hangs himself. Peter realizes the the magnitude of what he'd done. Remember, Peter was changed. Remember last week we talked about Peter's transformation took place on the boat. When Jesus said, let out your net and the fish were caught and Peter came to his senses of how un godly he really was, how sinful he was. And he said to Jesus, depart from me. I'm a wicked man. What he's really saying to Jesus is, Jesus, do something. Change me. Convert me. Do something because I, I need a conversion in my life. And many believe, and I believe that he was converted on that day. But here is Peter now. Peter, be careful. Be careful. Satan's going to sift you. He wants to test your faith. He wants to see, are you able to stand? And by the way, isn't that what Satan wants to do in your life and in my life? Isn't that what Satan wants to see happen more than anything else? Is for him to test our faith, for things to attack our life, and for us to say, I quit! I give up! As if it's possible for a Christian to give up. The Bible says, he who overcomes in Revelation, all seven churches, who's the overcomer? I believe it's the true believer. It's the person that's saved. It's the person that has been redeemed by God and bought by the blood of Jesus and brought into the family of God who is the overcomer. So even when we go through difficult times, if you're a true follower of Christ, listen, you will make it. Just like Peter's going to make it. Amen? And so he says, Satan wants you. And by the way, the you now is singular, verse 32 Satan wants to sift you all, but now he's saying, I'm praying for you, Peter. I'm praying that you and your faith will make it. Why? Because God's got a plan for him. Got a plan. 
You know, the question becomes when we look at the text, and I think of Job 1. Remember in Job 1 that Job had the similar circumstance that Satan came before God and said, you know, where you been? I've been going to and fro. God says, have you considered my servant Job? (laughs) Okay, God, would you leave me out of this conversation? (laughs) And what happens? Oh, God, you, you you only have him on your side because you blessed him. He's rich. He's got great kids. His life's going great. That's the only reason why he loves you. God says, take it away. Takes everything away. Comes back. God says, you considered my servant Job. Oh, God, he, he, he only likes you because, you know, you haven't touched his skin. He says, skin for skin. You, you touch his flesh. You, you bring it really home to him, and he'll forsake you. And so he gets boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. We find him sitting in ash, scraping those boils with a piece of pottery. Satan has asked Peter to be an influence in your life. Can I just pause, hit the pause button just a second? Can I just say something that all of us in this room need to hear? And that is that even though Satan may desire that, that it's only by permission that Satan can act. Can I say another thing in this room today that we forget? There are not two opposing forces in the divine universe. There are not two equals in the divine universe. There is only one who is great, and it's God. Satan is not the opposite of the Father. He is weak. He is limited by the hand of God. And he can only do what God allows him to do. So the question is, why does God allow him? (laughs) Did you ever ask yourself that question? God, why did you pick on Job? Peter, why? I mean, it's obvious from the text. Jesus is saying, Peter, Satan is asked, and, and he says, and when you turn, in other words, I'm going to let him do it. Why? Well, can I submit to you three answers? The first answer I submit to you is uh, going to seem dumb and stupid, but I, I think it's a real true answer. And that is, God's ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. I don't always know why God allows it to happen. That's a good answer. God is sovereign, I'm not. And why does God allow Satan to poke and prod at our lives sometimes? I have no idea. Although I do have an idea here in the text because if you look at the text in the immediate immediate context here, it is to strengthen Peter. Go back to verse 32. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And here it is. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. In order to strengthen the brethren, he had to be strong. In order for Peter to be an influence on us, he had to be influenced himself. And so it appears that in his life, going through what he went through is going to make him more pliable, usable to the kingdom of God at the end. Saying, I don't like that. Well, sorry, God's sovereign. He does what he wants to do. Amen? Listen to Job's testimony, because that's exactly what God did to Job. Listen to what Job says in Job 42. Then Job answered the Lord. This is the end of the, 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 the whole ordeal. 
He answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. There it is. My ways, not God's ways. My thoughts, not God's thoughts. He does what he wants to do. Verse three, you ask, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. As he was going through, he said a lot of things. He's like, that was pretty dumb of me to say. Verse four, listen, please, and let me speak. You said, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. Verse 5, here's the conclusion. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job was better at the end than the beginning. Listen, I don't know when God will allow Satan to prod into my life or your life. I don't know. And I'm not saying that everything you go through that's not pleasant is Satan. Please don't misunderstand. Satan is not omnipresent. And uh, Satan may, may not necessarily be behind every detail of things that you struggle with. But if God allows him in, you can bet your bottom dollar that you're going to be better at the end than at the beginning because God is strengthening what he needs to use. And that leads me to my third answer, and that is God always does, always does what is best for his kingdom. And think about the kingdom in Peter's circumstance. I think immediately when I think about the kingdom, I think of Acts 2. Peter stands and preaches a solid biblical text, preaches the word of God, and 3,000 souls are saved. Could he have done that without going through the fire? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Point two from the text is found in verse 32. Look back at verse 32, and that is Jesus' prayer. So Jesus gives the warning, but then he prays for him. He says, but I have prayed for you. Aren't you glad that Jesus prays? By the way, the you, as I said, is a singular. So Jesus is saying directly to Peter, Peter, listen, he, he, Satan wants to sift you all. But listen, I have prayed specifically for you. Why? Because Jesus, out of all these guys, they were just arguing who's going to be the greatest. What Jesus is going to do is elevate Peter. Listen, he's going to elevate, not to being a pope. People get it wrong in that circumstance. He's not a pope, but he's going to elevate him up. Why? Because he's always the one speaking anyway. He's always the one putting, putting the answers out there, right? He's quick to speak, but, but listen, he's going to use this man of character. He's going to use this man of brashness as a leader among the rest of the guys. And so he says to him, I have prayed for you. In order that, listen, he says, when you return. So there's already forgiveness in the prayer. There's already a restoration in the prayer. Isn't that awesome to know? You know what that tells me? That my Lord Jesus is compassionate and forgiving. But listen, he's omniscient. Yeah, he's in the flesh, but he's still omniscient. He's still God. He's saying, listen, Peter, I prayed for you. And I pray, listen, Jesus' prayers are perfect prayers. Yours and I... 
when we pray, we may not reach the ceiling sometimes, but his every time. Amen? Every time he reaches the Lord. And he says, I'm going to pray that when you have passed the test and you have returned to me, that you would strengthen the brothers. Again, Peter's restored. John 21, right? We read John 21, he's restored. Acts 2, he stands up and he preaches. But I'm going to tell you, you see him doing exactly what Jesus said when you begin to read First and Second Peter. First and Second Peter were written to some Christians who were going through extreme trial and persecution. And so here they are going through persecution and trial. And you know what Peter is doing? Peter is writing to encourage them. He's writing them to say, hey guys, hang in there. Hang in there. Walk with Jesus. Don't give up. And so he writes. And so let me remind you as we think about Jesus' prayer, not only those things, but can I remind you that the Lord's prayer for Peter extends to all of us. Because listen to what Hebrews 7.25 says. It says, therefore, there." He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Talking about these children of God. Since he always lives to what? Make intercession for them. Jesus is living at the right hand of the Father praying for you. Amen? John 17, 20. I love the high priestly prayer of Jesus. We forget we're in that prayer. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 20 of chapter 17. I do not pray for these alone, that is the disciples there, but I also for those who will believe in me through their word. All of those of us who would come down the road, who would be be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, called to be his children, he is praying for us even then. Listen, you're going to make it. Amen? Amen? Lastly, I want us to see Jesus' prediction. What happens? How does Peter respond First of all, verse 33, is, and, and he said to him, Jesus, uh, you don't understand something. He said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison. Peter's like, you know, hey, hey, you don't know who you're talking to. I can hang in there. I'm ready to die with you if that's necessary. I'm willing to go to jail with you if that's necessary. You don't understand, Jesus. I'm, I'm tough. I'm committed. I'm in this. Can I tell you something? Peter believed every word he said. Peter wasn't blowing smoke. Peter believed that he was ready. Peter believed in his own heart and his own mind that he had the fortitude and the strength to withstand whatever was going to come his way. Bring it on, Satan. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to die with him if I have to. How often do we make dumb declarations? Because we don't really understand the wickedness of our own hearts. Think about that. And so here, Peter makes this declaration, but then Jesus gives the prediction. Notice verse 34. We've read it, but let's read it one more time. He says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day. Now notice he's using the word Peter, rock. (laughs) Peter's going to be restored. He said, Peter, you're going to be restored. The rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you even know me. And he did that very thing, did he not? He denied that he knew Jesus. He was very, very, very confident that he would make it. Now the question comes to my mind, 
is what is Peter's demise? Why did Peter fall? Well, the obvious answer obviously is that Jesus predicted Jesus is sovereign and Jesus saw it and Jesus knew he was going to fail. So we know he's going to fail. We know it's going to happen. But, but what are some contributing factors? What are some things that if you and I are sifted, what are some things that can help us? Maybe not fall as hard as maybe as we could. What are some factors that could? Well, in the immediate context, I go back to verse 32 and going back to verse 32, the first thing I would say is his demise is self-confidence. See, if we get to this place that we think we're all that in a box of chocolates, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Sometimes we walk around here with this cocky attitude. I'm more spiritual than you are. Can I tell you what? You're just waiting to fall. You're waiting to tumble. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, that he who thinks he stands better take heed lest he fall. The minute we think we got it all under wraps, the minute we think we're God's gift to the world, we better watch it. Peter thought he had it all under control. The problem is it was under his control, not God's. And guess what? He tumbled. You and I need to understand, folks, going all the way back to 40 days of purpose, it is not about you. It's not. It's about him. It's always been about him. And all the glory goes to him. And if I survive, and if I overcome, it's not by my strength, not by my ability, it's by his grace. And Peter made a, an overestimation of himself. But that's not it. That's not all totally. Jesus, according to what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26, 41, he should have been watching and praying. He says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation for the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Are you watching and praying? Watching and praying. Watching and praying. That's what we're called to do, to watch and to pray. Jesus told Peter, he should have been watching and praying. He would fall not only in cutting a man's ear off shortly right after that, but this man who claimed to be the rock would become nothing but a crushed pebble a few hours later when they began to question him. Are you not one of those who follow Jesus? And he would deny it with cussing that he even knew Jesus. He overestimated himself, self-confidence, and he wasn't watching and he wasn't praying. But there also is a divine element in this that we can't ignore. And that is there are times, my friend, you can watch and pray. There are times you can be humble and submit to God, and you're going to go through the fire. Because I believe God sometimes sifts in order to strengthen there's some things that have been through in my life that enable me to minister better than I've ever could if I've never been through them. Do I want to go through those kinds of experiences? No. But if God can use it, to him be the glory. Let me wrap up with Peter's conclusion. Listen to Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5. Write this down, 8 through 10. 
his conclusion, I think, sums it up well today. Be sober, he says, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Here it is, in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But listen to verse 10. We often forget verse 10 in this. But may the God of all grace, who called us by his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after you had suffered a while, here it is, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Sometimes we're sifted to be strengthened. Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.